a lot of cutting. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we have the different camera angles, so it's a little smoother. But we're going to open this one up by going ahead and asking everybody to like, share, subscribe. Main thing is share it with a buddy. So help us get the word out about the podcast. And we are uh, we are fortunate to have uh, two really good guys on to, tonight. They're going to they're gonna tell us all their little secrets on how they have <laughs> success on public land <laughs> and just success in general. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have uh, Mr. Dustin King and Noah Studstall, and it's good to meet good to meet you guys tonight. Uh, they are hard earned. Um, first question I have for you: um, You said there's a story about how you guys hooked up together, how you met up. Yeah. So so tell us that. How'd y'all meet? I've always wondered that too. So I, I moved up here about uh, probably what 2012. I lived in Florida my whole life. Mm-hmm. around Tampa didn't get to do a whole lot of hunting there moved up here 2012 worked on a deer farm over in op and uh just kind of you know I always wanted to hunt I hunted some with my dad when I went up to his house and uh you know got into hunting didn't really know what I was doing you know it was just kind of learning finding my way mm-hmm. and uh was hunting a piece of property over in red level and somehow me and dustin got hooked up and, you know i seen some of his videos and it kind of interests me and in, in the start filming and all mm-hmm. started talking to him about it and <clears throat> long story short he found a that lease in brundage that we ended up getting in and he's like man it, i think it's a good piece of property he sent me a pen and i was like man it looks great you know i want in if i can so that's kind of where we started you know hunting really you know, managing that lease and all together. There's a deer farm or not? There was. Used to okay. be. Southern, yeah. Southern Grace Whitetails. Yeah. On, I had no uh, idea. It, uh, <clears throat> if I'm not bad, wrong, it was ran by... Uh, John Lanier. Lanier. Yeah. Lanier, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you worked on a deer farm. That opens up all kinds of different questions. <laughs> For real. <laughs> uh, so, I'm assuming you learned a lot about deer in that, in, in that period of time or... or at that time, were you not into the hunting yet? So uh, I just you just kind of worked there and and didn't no, pay it was, attention. It uh it had a good hunting opportunity. You know, we during the winter time we would feed in the morning, then we would just go hunt all yeah. day. So mm-hmm. I mean, I hunted every day of the year really, but you know, I didn't really know what I was doing. So I was yeah. kind of just wandering really. Right. Was there anything that you learned during that time working there that has carried over? Um, that maybe most people don't really know? just. I mean, you know the the deer at the farm would feed, you know, about the same time as they would, you know, in the wild, you know, it's Mm kind of still based on moon phases and temperature and, you know, pressure is not real high. They're just going to be kind of laying around all day. But, you know, when you get a good cold snap and high pressure and all, they'll be up feeding, you know. They're more active. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's pretty cool, man. So, I mean, we kind of see at the farm, you know, the deer are up moving around this morning, you know, let's go get in the woods. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So how long has hard earned been a been a thing? What's this year three? Yeah, year three. Mm-hmm. Y'all got a lot of good stuff on YouTube. I wouldn't say a lot. We know. Well, I <laughs> binged trying. it. I yeah. binged it one night when I was up. Or good <laughs> doing something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I guess I wasn't killing deer, so I had to watch somebody that was. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> but uh, all right. So you uh, you guys hunt a lot of public land. Uh, I really want to pick your brain and see how you do that. I guess the first step is probably e-scouting it. 
So what is your process when you are e-scouting? What are you looking for? What are some things that stands out to you uh, that, that makes you want to hunt? And I guess, too, this I don't want to throw too many, too many questions out there one time, but are you looking for just deer or mature bucks or both? Really? I, see, I do. This is probably where we're different in yeah. some ways, but, you know, we're alike in, in a lot of the same ways. But uh, I use a lot of different maps. You know, I may use just your normal Apple maps because it, it shows a good updated version of what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Uh, Google Earth and Onyx, you know, really, it seemed like they step up every year. And the recent imagery now is pretty much, I mean, you can tell they clear cut it last week. <clears throat> so, I mean, right. Onyx really shows a lot and scouting's come a long way where you really don't even have to be there to know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. But uh, I use an app called Cowtopo. And yeah. it's pretty much just strictly topo maps, and I'll try and find, you know, those thermal hubs and yeah, travel corridors, yeah. and <clears throat> so, so uh, pinch points and stuff. Right, yeah. Right. So thermal hubs. What do you mean by that? Just I hear kinda, different definitions for it. So like where you get a, and you know, I've learned you know you want to look for thick, but you know it's, it's not always thick, but just where a bunch of <clears throat> really ridge systems kind of just dump down into this bowl. Okay. And, you know, you catch a, you know, a good edge with good bedding, you know, really doesn't north, south, you know, whatever. Uh, and I kind of found a spot, you know, just proved my theory this year of, of you know, I'm always trying to scout different, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, found a little thermal hub at a club I was in, and I, I knew there was a good buck in there. It was a big 11 point. And just, I put my camera maybe 10 yards off the edge, just thick, short pines, but I was right in the middle of this bowl when I got them first night. So, really? I mean. You say you're in the middle of it? Yeah, I was right in the middle of that bowl, probably 10 yards off of the that hard edge, and he showed up the first night just on the really? trail. So, wind in those bowls, is it predictable <clears throat> at all? It's pretty much that's why i feel like they're there because in the afternoon <laughs> mm-hmm. you just feel it pulling from every which way so yeah. how do you hunt yeah. that do you just take a chance roll the dice on it or pretty much yeah. i like it get in there with them <laughs> yeah. see what you can really? do yeah i like it um <clears throat> well you said that's where your you guys are different so yeah uh i'll use apple maps but he uses many many maps mm-hmm. uh and it's it's kind of funny because the other day uh that deer y'all was talking about that i posted uh, he called me when he was heading down there, and uh, he was like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm off such and such road. I just had a feeling about this spot. Well, he starts busting out laughing and sends me a pin that he dropped, and that's where he was heading. <laughs> <laughs> hey. And we do it every like, – it's so funny, man. I mean, multiple times. Like, right. But to me, that just – it shows we bounce ideas off mm-hmm. each other, and we're, right. we can we can work together on trying to find what we're looking for. Absolutely. Yeah, um, <clears throat> so – when y'all hunt the public land and all that, you say you, you e-scout a lot, uh, which we do a little bit of e-scouting ourselves. Uh, it's, it's fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, like I it, enjoy yeah. What's, e-scouting. Yeah. What's crazy to me is how you can look at it for a week straight and think that you have everything covered and then come back in a couple of days and something new just pops out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is it like that with you, too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah and a lot of the times I, f- I find myself going to a spot that I've e-scouted and I see deer 
and I see the movement of the deer and I go back and I think, why are they doing that? You know, what have I missed? And I go back and, and sure enough, like you said, I find something new. Every time I look at that, I find something new that the deer are telling me there's something there. And I just, I missed it the first time I scouted it or whatever it may be, you know? So what <clears throat> if, when you, when you are e-scouting, I know you said bowls, uh, is there anything else? Are you strictly looking for bowls, or is there anything else that you're looking for? I like – I've learned the thicker the better. I mean, if okay. you can if you can get in the thick, you know, it's – you probably got a good shot at seeing a buck at least. Mm -hmm. I think that's what deters a lot of people from going to public land is, like you said earlier, you, you e-scouted that property, and you put your camera in that bowl, and then you got him the first night. A lot of the times, people spend a lot of time at public land – with no luck at all finding mature deer or a deer in general. You know, you can always put up somewhere where there's some sign and get a doe or two. Yeah. Uh, but that deters a lot of people from hunting public land because they just don't – I'm not saying that they don't know what they're doing, but, you know, they – on public land you have to do a lot of homework, in my opinion, to find exactly where that deer is at, like me and you talked about earlier. Um, <clears throat> like the old way of hunting – without the cameras yeah. you, you kind of have to even though we have cameras these days you kind of have to you know intermingle both of them together when you're hunting public land because you know there's no baiting there's no you have to put your your skills to the Not test and, and then see what you got by putting your skills to the test on your camera see what you get you know which is really cool to do but i think that deters a lot of people but it also in my opinion makes a a deer more of a trophy when you kill it on public land knowing that you did it uh, without any kind of – just by reading sign, by doing your homework, and it makes that trophy even sweeter than going out on, on 1,000 acres or, or, like myself, 200 acres on the river and, and shooting a big buck. Now, that's sweet, but yeah. uh, in my opinion, and y'all may be different, uh, on public land, if I shoot a six-point or if I shoot a smaller deer that I may not take on a farm that I hunt that's private property, in my opinion, I, I take a lot more pride sometimes in the deer that I shoot that may not be as, as big as what I killed on private land um, just because of the work that goes into that public land hunting. Oh, yeah. And like I said, that deters a lot of people from going, especially if they have property that they can hunt. I catch myself a lot of the times not wanting to go to public property because I have private property to hunt. And I think, well, why would I put myself through that if I can hunt the private property? But uh, like I said, I think a lot of people feel that way. You know, I'm not going to go to public just because of all the stuff you have to put into it. Yeah. Um, but... Well. <laughs> All right, so I can 20 question you guys because <laughs> next year I'm wanting to really get in on public land. And I think one of the reasons is here in the South, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say I feel like you have to bait if you're on private property because you can put yourself at a disadvantage um, because your neighbors are definitely doing it. Yeah. So what's your take on that? I can, tell, I can tell you're thinking something. <laughs> so what's your think? Bait for does, man. Uh, I hate it. We got the evidence. I've got a folder on my MacBook. Uh, you will get more daylight activity or more activity period on trails of bucks at scrapes trails than you will at that feeder. Yeah. So, which brings me to one. Let me go elaborate. ahead. One other thing: not all deer are equal. Yeah. Now, uh, there's exceptions. When he shot Tyson, I said this is <clears throat> unusual. Uh, I've never seen a deer do this, and he can tell you I oh, said yeah. that. Mm -hmm. And I said. We got to capitalize while we can. Right. He was moving in on bait. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. But he was also smart of staying there 
what, 20, 30 minutes? About 40, 45. Really? 20? I watched this video. That was that was insane. I did, yeah. I watched that. How uh, did you keep it together that long? I would have been shaking <laughs> like I would. I just, you know, I picked out a pine tree, and I just stared at it until <laughs> yeah. I, I heard him commit. He's did he ever there. know you were there? He's not there. No. <laughs> See, that I, I almost thought he winded me a couple times, you know, because we were hunting just barely off wind. I mean, the slightest swirl, and he would have. He'd have winded either one of us, you know. Yeah. But it was hitting me in the face, and he was just right here. So, you know, it was just blowing right past him. Yeah. But it just – I commend you for being able to wait that long, too, for a good oh, shot. Buddy, I would have had to close my eyes and <laughs> <laughs> tell myself he's not really big. You know, he's – I man. know me. I would have yeah. tried to force something that wasn't there. I would have – yeah. Um, um, that's crazy, though. So, he stood outside for 40-something minutes. It was outside him, of your, him and uh, – it was a little, what was it, three-point yeah. or four-point. He had a little buck that, you know, they were always together. Mm -hmm. And they just sat there, you know, meandering around in the oaks behind me. Yeah. But, you know, within 30 or 40 <clears throat> yards, right. I just heard them walking around. Right. Now, I have uh, I have heard of people saying that a mature deer will not necessarily spook from a, a bait pile, but they know that's not natural. Yeah. So they do act a little weary, uh, which my dad and my dad is is big on. If you bait, catch them going to the bait. Don't catch them over the bait That's because they're right. always on. They're always on edge when they're eating or they're on that bait. Yeah. So, so you guys feel the same way about absolutely. that? Absolutely. Yeah. What time of year was it when you killed? November seventh. Seventh. November seventh. Seventh hunt for the deer. November seventh. Yeah. Wow. Really. Well, like I said, I could 20 question you because um, I want to hunt public land next year. And I'm going to really do some scouting and put some boots on the ground. And uh, anyway, mainly because of the private land thing, everybody's baiting. And I just feel like maybe I'm hoping that I could catch deer moving more naturally on public land. Yeah. So uh, here's my next question for you. Uh, throughout, the, throughout the year, throughout the season – what are what are you looking for as far as deer sign? Uh, I would assume early season you're hunting food. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So uh, I'll try to cover a lot of areas like throughout the summer, right? And I'll try to pinpoint, all right, maybe this white oak could be dropping. Well, I'll see a bunch of rubs, and this is a prime example of knowing an area by being able to age sign. So I've seen a bunch of rubs along a riverbank. And I was like, all right, this is going to be, uh, according to those rubs, just a rut spot, you know. Mm -hmm. Not early season whip rubs or none of that junk. So I actually told <laughs> Justin about it, and I was like, look, this will be a good spot during rut. Well, he went and stuck a camera there, and this proved my point the entire season until rut. That's when bucks started showing up. And he was like, how did you know? And we ain't had this phone conversation yet, just in text, but being able to read that kind of stuff because there's no feed trees in there nothing to me deer are going to travel that water path right so i always want to be around that and the feed trees to me there's no specific tree except for this year he found <coughs> the the miracle tree yeah that i ain't never seen nothing like that on pictures <laughs> but uh, if you're in a general area where trees are dropping try to be in that that travel area yeah how long did that last the feed tree about two weeks probably yeah. so that's one of those things that you got to have you got to constantly be scouting. Oh yeah, and find that. Um, so that's another thing that I've wondered because I've heard people say so many times that if you're not in the acorns, you're out of the game. And 
I know in a lot of the areas that I hunt, and you too, I think, because mm-hmm. we've talked about this. Yeah. You hear about feed trees, and I'm thinking, how do you find that one feed tree uh, when there's so many oak trees yeah. in the area? Mm-hmm. I've never found one. He, like I said, <laughs> found the miracle tree this year <clears throat> and was sending me, what, eight, nine o'clock daylight bucks just grazing through, eating under it. Really? I mean, for two weeks straight, and I was like, holy cow. Yeah. I mean, really, it was, it was honestly lucky. I mean, because well, there, there was probably three or four white oaks just to the right of it, and yeah. I, there was a probably 100 acres of short pines, you know, 20 yards from both of these trees. And I'd seen a couple green white oaks on the ground, so I put my camera on it. I was like, you know, it's it's going to make, and I'm going to be ready when it does. Well, I didn't get any deer. Yeah. But I'd walked through the water oak acorns on the <clears> ground, and I, you know, just didn't put my camera that way. So I went in a week later and moved my camera, literally just faced it toward the water oak and just bucks. Everywhere. So they were in wow. there already, <clears throat> but my camera was just facing the wrong way. Yeah. Know? Wow. Um, so they were preferring water oaks. Over just because the... just they were ready, gotcha. you know, available. Right. But, you know, those bucks daylighted. It was 11 out of 12 days. Yeah. And the one day they didn't is when I was there, you know. So. <laughs> Naturally. We, uh... <clears throat> We talked about that too, you know, the the different kind of oak trees and and stuff, you know. Uh, in I've, I've bow hunted since I was younger, and my, you know, I bow hunted with my dad, and he kind of taught me the ropes and stuff like that. Now, uh, we he did like to get under water oaks. Uh, he liked to get under certain kind of oak trees, which goes back to how do you find that one? Because, like you said, uh, when we talked about this and we were scouting earlier this year, um, <laughs> just about. Everywhere we went down that road we were going down, there were small acorns just scattered all down the road. Well, how do you know that those are the trees that they're going to, you know, when you've got several of them? uh, So I guess, you know, I guess you could say that maybe, I don't know, maybe sometimes they do prefer a different kind of oak. I don't know. I mean, I've never done a study on that or or researched that or anything like that. uh, If they do, you know, uh, prefer water oak or whatever it may be you know i don't know i, I don't know what that that answer is but which you ever tasted them <laughs> yeah they're bitter <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I told him earlier in the year um <clears throat> i was pretty much on cow topo and i was looking for the terrain features you know ignoring the trees completely you know i was trying to find you know those hubs and all by good bedding mm-hmm. and that's pretty much you know i would find you know i'd eliminate a lot of areas and that feed tree was in a hub you know where all these ridges dumped down and it just happened to have good bedding right next to it mm-hmm. so i was like you know it sets up buck has all the advantage and ended up being three shooter bucks in there i mean just yeah but that's i just try and find <clears throat> terrain features and then i try and find the food within mm-hmm. the terrain feature it kind of helps eliminate a lot of the guesswork you know just walking around looking at trees right so early season food um, is there other food sources besides acorns? You'll oh. be surprised at what they'll eat. Dude, it's crazy. <laughs> if it's green, they'll probably eat it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I watched a podcast at one time, and <clears throat> I believe it was uh, from uh, Mississippi State Deer Lab. Uh, they said that a deer will, to know, I think they were talking about how feeding deer and, and all that stuff goes about, you know, and what deer like and what they don't like and all that stuff. Um, but they said that the deer's body will tell them what, that, what it needs uh, in certain times of the year, you know. So they will graze on just about anything. 
if and and certain plants have different you know things that the body the needs you know that the deer's body needs and and they know that um so you i think what they were talking about is you know certain certain food plots and certain people's properties seem to have bring bigger deer and bring more deer and and stuff like that uh but they said that's not necessarily true you just may not be where the deer are because the deer browse on just about anything yeah uh, according to what their body wants you know so that was pretty cool uh, them guys yeah meat briars. Mm-hmm. man it's crazy so as the year goes on and the deer start or bucks i guess start shifting their focus away from food and and into other things how does that change what you look for in the woods go first yeah i mean transitioning from you know which i didn't this year i i kind of like abandoned my cameras this year because i had a lot of fun just you know hunting really yeah and uh sometimes i feel like the cameras can be misleading and uh i kind of just left them alone and really just hunted which was humbling because i didn't really have a lot of success but yeah yeah <laughs> but uh i try and I try and get where I think the bucks are going to start cruising, trying to catch these first does coming in. So a lot of that, you know, it's right on that hard edge, maybe from uh, hardwood bottom right up next to pines. You know, you start mm-hmm. seeing scrapes pop up, maybe a logging road next to it or something. But uh, clear cuts too, you know, one or two-year-old clear cuts. I mean, that's that's Those prime, are awesome, prime stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I second that and something we look at too is more often than not and we heard this we just didn't come up with this i mean we mm. we, we ain't doing anything groundbreaking here tonight you know this yeah. is experiences and and stuff we've heard trial and error yeah, yeah. so if you look at your uh, topo lines and there's th- your thicker line mm. that's your flatter ground mm-hmm. and if you go to that thick line you'll generally see more travel area right there and yeah. i i threw out a lace of cameras this year i didn't i didn't got to where i took it off because Onyx is so compiled with all these icons. I don't want lines on there too. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I actually laced out some cameras <clears> on <throat> a, a oak knoll that we'll call it, and a swamp just wraps around it. Well, I'll sent him all the cameras, and he called, and he was like, "You know, it follows the contour of the land." Well, I was like, "I don't even know." I threw my lines <laughs> back on there, and sure enough, that's where all the travel is. Really? And I, I just, I just felt it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But all four cameras within a three hundred yard area had every buck on it. Really? Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> that's insane. That's that's good stuff. Yeah. yeah. That's good stuff. I feel like <clears throat> after we do this podcast, I'm going to listen to it a few times and actually digest everything that's saying. Make some notes. <laughs> oh, yeah. You may see me in your hunting spot. We may scout the same <laughs> oh, wait spot. A minute. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We didn't bring y'all here for that. You're going to have to get there early. I won't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. Uh, so you mentioned trail cameras. I know you said that you <clears throat> kind of uh, – didn't utilize them as much this year but how do you usually use those are they a major part of yeah i mean early deer? season you know we'd, of course you like to find the food but you know we go back to historical places you know places we got history with we know there's bucks and uh really just a matter of putting our cameras on the you know oaks or whatever's in that area leave it on there probably till you know the oaks are you know, pretty much gone, and then really just shift your cameras straight into pre-rut. Yeah. I mean, it's I don't like just bouncing cameras around all year. I like to leave it, you know, because mm-hmm. a lot of times it's on trails that they're going to use. Eventually. Pretty much, yeah, yeah if so, not all year. So how do you pick out a trail? Because what do you look for in a trail before, you, before you're going to hang a camera up? Because 
I know in some of the spots that I that I have, there's trails going everywhere. So what do you look for to hang that camera there? I've got away from the heavy trails. Yeah. That's usually does. Usually yeah. does. Your bucks it's hard it's hard to describe a a buck trail, which this time of year, which I was telling him I hung a camera the other day and uh you know, you could see all the doe trails coming out of the swamp and there was just a faint, faint trail, you know, on the upper third of a hill. And I, you know, I just felt like it was a good buck trail. There was a couple rubs on it and ended up getting a buck on it within <clears throat> 24 hours. Yeah. But just tons of does coming up the trail, I thought, and then a buck cutting on another trail, you know, that faint, dim mm-hmm. trail. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's hard. Like, uh, to me, you get lucky on a buck trail. Uh, I had three cameras 90, 60, 30, 30 yards apart from each other. I was only getting bucks, and one of them was on a feeder, only at the bottom to where the scent was going down the hill. They was using that trail only. Mm-hmm. So you, you you almost like trial and error. You have to get lucky or move your cameras until you see that movement on those trails. Right. Uh, <clears throat> it kind of goes back to earlier this year when we were scouting down there in Brantley. Um. Taylor kind of had the same situation take place where we went down there, we saw a lot of sign. He put a camera up where we saw the sign, and the deer he was getting just kind of vanished. You know, uh, they just quit coming. And Taylor said, he called me one day, and he said, "Uh, I think I'm going to move that camera. I never really got him. Yeah. I never really got him on camera. Never really started coming in very good. You know, a few does. I mean, the coons. We put some bait out just to see what was, you know, Mm -hmm. was in the area. And, uh, coons got it for anything right. but there was one picture that i had of deer running in front of the camera mm. does and bucks something spooked them and pushed them out and i thought mm. well, they're, they're there somewhere right but yeah you can go and taylor uh he called me he said i'm i'm gonna go down there and i'm gonna scout a little bit and i'm gonna move that camera just because there's no action in front of it uh he literally moved that camera um a hundred yards from where it sat and it was just buck after buck after buck doe after doe just deer like crazy, yeah. you know, like a travel corridor, and they just go in there all times of the day. Uh, but a hundred yards, too, so that they're yeah, they're holding pretty tight, right? Know, in areas, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, hundred yards, hundred yards made the difference. Yeah. So I can believe what you're saying because just that little bit of of movement or, or you know, uh, whatever, uh, they can be just on the other side there, or just you know, just right down from your camera, and you just never getting pictures of them. Yeah. Uh, so. <clears throat> but that was that was kind of crazy to me. It's that, eye-opening, dude. Yeah, it is. It's like, man, you'd have never known. And there was three or four shooter bucks, I think, or two or three or three, two maybe. Two or three. Yeah, um, in that, in that mm-hmm. little group that was coming by. But like I said, that 100 yards made the difference. We never got a picture of them other than running that day. That's how we even knew that there was deer in there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that 100 yards made the difference. That was crazy. It was eye-opening, like you said. How many yes. cameras do you all run? I think I, I think I've got eighteen. 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 Yeah. Are they cell cameras or no? Uh, eight cell cameras. And the okay. rest are SD cameras. I think I got yeah six cell cameras and about eight regular cameras. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Do you uh, do you always like to do that? Is is or did you just now start doing that or have you always put them in you know like a travel corridor? If you find something that they travel down, put them along the way to try to find out where he's coming from or where he's traveling to or along the way yeah Yeah. i've always done that okay i've thought about doing that right now i don't uh but i have thought about because i see a lot of people doing that you know uh, not just y'all's videos but several other people's videos where uh they'll set cameras up 
Um, <clears throat> and I've seen some guys go as crazy as they'll set them up for five to 600 yards down a wood line, and they'll know, you know, he's coming here at 440 in the morning. He's here at 820 in the morning. He's here at 1020 in the morning. He's here at whatever. Yeah. And that's, that's – uh, I'd like to try to do that maybe this next year and do like you did, you know, kind of scout the sign and try to find out where he's coming from. Because I, if I would have done that, um, Houdini, the one that Talon killed not too long ago, yeah. uh, my brother, he's supposed to be here tonight, but he he's sick, couldn't couldn't join us. But uh, uh, we could have killed him, I think, a lot sooner than Talon killed him because we had that deer pattern to a certain extent. Yeah. He would be in one field uh, in the morning, and then he'd be in the other in the uh in the afternoon and then he'd do the same thing but every now and then he'd change it up but if we knew where that deer was coming from uh out of the woods we would have got down in there with him and killed that deer uh, yeah. a lot sooner and and within daylight hours uh if we would have taken that you know aggressive approach that's right yep yeah. yep i'm gonna share it like a cool experience i had okay. though uh up at the lease we had i, I started feeding in this little it was just like a little hill in this swamp bottom. And I had my camera on it. You know, wasn't really getting many bucks. But, you know, historically, the bucks come through there. They had a, you know, community scrape they hit all year. So I had my Spartan facing the feed, and I put a wild game camera on the same <laughs> tree facing the other way. And I had all kind of does, you know, coming there. Well, when I checked it after season, there was all kind of bucks on it. Just literally walk right behind the camera. Really? Yeah, never even knew they the were there. Never avoiding hunted. it. Yeah. Really? I never hunted it because I didn't think you know yeah. anything was coming through. And they wow. was. So <laughs> that's that's all that's that's cool because it makes me think of a couple of years ago. I think I told you about this. I was running a feeder at at a area, one of the spots that I was hunting, and just because everybody else ran feeders, so I thought it must be okay. Didn't really think anything about it, but I just wasn't getting anything except does. And it was like the same two does every night. And I took the feeder out because I thought nothing's coming to this spot. But for whatever reason, I took the feeder out but left the camera. I forget why I did that. No idea, actually. But maybe I just dumped the corn out of the feeder and just see if something else would come to it. But like two days after that feeder being gone, bucks started showing up in there and traveling through. And I guess that bell sound yeah. mm -hmm. was scaring them, and they didn't want no part of that. I've, I've never liked a spin feeder. Never. I don't anymore. I've never used one, so I don't know what it. Yeah, I but I've heard of people doing that. Uh, you know, you hear all the time that cameras don't get everything that's happening on the property. Mm -hmm. And I've heard of people running the trail cameras like you did just then, one on each side, and deer skirting it. It, it was pretty eye opening, mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, um, I think we talked about that a little bit in our last podcast when uh, <laughs> me and Talon was adamant about even though you run cameras if the sign is in there don't just trust your camera get in there and hunt them yeah. because they could be like you said you know uh if we to be honest with you if i would have just hunted cameras uh this past year i can't say that we would have killed either of the bucks that we killed uh me and my brother um i can't say that we would have killed them because uh houdini a lot of the times would well matter of fact all year long we never got a picture of him but we knew he was there the sign was there uh we got one picture of him before season come in and then we started getting pictures of him in cruising for does in january uh now we didn't move a camera around and finally started getting him but if uh if we would have just hunted that the day that talon killed that deer he would have never been on camera that day 
uh, he was actually coming through, and we never got pictures of him the day Talon killed it, and the day I killed Kicker, uh, we never got pictures of him on, on camera. So that's kind of where me and you are different. Mm-hmm. You are a lot more willing to go hunt a spot even if you don't have a daytime picture of a buck. Um, so, like, Kicker, for example, you know, he was showing up mainly in the middle of the night. He started getting closer to daylight. Right. Which I guess maybe... The day before I shot him, he come up at about 6 o'clock that afternoon. Okay. So, he was he was gradually getting closer to And then to you had daylight. that cold front come in. Right. And you thought he'd be a little earlier. Okay. Yeah. Whereas me, like, if I'm... If I have a deer on camera that's only in the middle of the night, I don't have a lot of confidence in it. In my mind, I'm thinking he's he could be two miles away, and I, I don't have a lot of confidence going into that hunt. What are your thoughts on that? Go. Go? Yep. <laughs> I'm in the I, minority I would, here. I would, I would lean <laughs> yeah. more towards what you do, though. You really? Know, if it's middle of the night, I feel like he's living kind of far away. But it, it depended how big your property was. You know, if he was coming at midnight, I'd be trying to find – where he's moving right Absolutely. right before dark but right. it's a double-edged sword too though because you know you don't want to pressure especially elite like we didn't hardly ever hunt that place first year we had it mm. but you know results of that he shot a deer you know walking in with his bow you know just bedded on the side of the road yeah wow mm, really yeah. tell that story <laughs> tell that story <laughs> part of the truck we never drove in there at all uh, I told him I don't want us driving in unless we we're recovering or feeding, right? So the feeders are at the front of this 160, therefore to attract the deer from the swamp, 30 acres of swamp, up into the huntable, more huntable parts. So uh, I parked the truck, walking through. I'm talking about film gear, uh, saddle equipment and all. And it's kind of windy, but a cold front was coming. It Like it was getting colder as I'm taking each step. Mm-hmm. And, that, dude, like these pines are what, 12-year-old pines? Maybe not even. All right. A uh, bunch of briar thickets. Yeah. And, I mean, mm. anyway, he comes up like an elevator, just brought him up. And as he's coming up, I'm going down. Yeah. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, so natural instinct is just for me to squat down. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's facing away, and I can see pretty much the back of his head, and I can tell his rack's looking, you know, obviously away. Like, That's a big deer. Yeah. So I, I take my backpack off. Get my bow, knock an arrow. I'm like, there ain't no way this is fixing to happen, you know? <laughs> so he's he's just like, I guess he was trying to wind. Yeah. It's the only thing I can think, but he's just looking. I see his main beams doing this. So I draw back, and I, I'm, which was very difficult on my knees, but I was able to stand up, and I started taking a few steps, and I sent it through the briars, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, uh, hell Mary, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, dude, I call him, and uh, he's like, all right, no, he didn't answer. He texted me, and uh, this is, what, two, thirty, two forty five. Yeah, he texted me, so I'm still at work, and I, I said, "Call me." I just killed Leo, I think. And uh, he was, he called. He was like, "What?" I was like, "Dude, I just shot him walking in." And we had, dude, we couldn't figure out what this deer was bed. Yeah, but it just goes to show you, like, I'm talking right off the side of the road. If you yeah. treat a place right, mm-hmm. to me, you get those kind of results. You yeah. Know? But I mean, he was he was piled up fifty five yards. Now that was a, a bad drag because it was straight uphill right. through some briars. But so he was bedded on the side of the road. Yeah. Oh, really? I was getting him coming through the the gate, and right. I'd text him, "Where is this joker?" Because we had the place <laughs> laced up. Yeah. You know? mm. Like I feel, I feel confident in my hunt setups, my camera setups, and I had no idea what this deer was doing. Right. I could not figure it out. He'd be at the back. He'd be at the front. You never knew. Right. But we we kind of we hunted the front. You know, pretty much. Well, we hunt the back 
one time early season. Yeah, that's right. But we're pretty we pretty much agreed. You know, we're going to leave the back alone. We'll hunt the front. You know, we had enough bucks up front to hunt, and you know, we'll save the back for the rut. You know, get them comfortable, and then you know, we'll get aggressive when they're guards down really mm. so which we had another huge buck back there we didn't even know he was living back there all year yeah but got one picture of him in velvet which i ended up seeing him the last day of hunting season at 100 yards and i just had my bow you know so i was pretty cool right oh yeah <laughs> i told him to take the rifle <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <clears throat> so on public land and private land i i think too uh you guys hunting public land i think sometimes you you in a way let your guard down a little bit to hunt public land because you know i don't have a food source here i have to find their food source so i'm gonna do whatever it takes to find them when i hunt a lot like you guys uh you know y'all have a lease up in troy um and i've got a lease now uh well my dad has had a lease for a while um down close to p river and uh i just started hunting this we we just started hunting this in the past year uh because we just hadn't had we hadn't been able to to hunt it until now we got permission to hunt it and all but uh but now it's private so we can go down and and kind of uh set up what we want to set up and all that stuff well now in my opinion going down there you think a lot like you guys like i don't want to mess this up uh, or on, on property that you get permission on, like me and Taylor, a lot of the times we get permission on property and I go in thinking, okay, I got this place set up like I want it. I don't want to go in and I don't want to bump any deer. I don't want to do nothing like that. But on public land, it kind of pushes you to get in there with them and find where they're at instead of knowing where they're at yeah. and, and not getting in there and catching them before daylight coming through or just waiting until they come to where you know they're going to come eventually. Uh, I think the public land thing gets you to where you you have to yeah. get in there and get on them and, and do what you got to do to hunt them and, yeah. and to kill them at a certain hour, you know. And so with being aggressive, this is what I, I really want to <clears throat> learn. How When you're pushing into those areas, how far is too far? How do you know when to stop? I should stop a long time ago. But <laughs> yeah, same, I, really. I, so I, I if I'm going in scouting, I see the whole area. I go, and then I'm like, okay. Uh, just say Agfield busts up to public, all right? I know that I might bump some deer coming through this spot to get to where I want to go because I want to be 150 yards off that Agfield because I know them deer are going to go feed that afternoon. Well, I'm going to catch them before they get out there at dark. Mm-hmm. So I'll risk bumping deer here yeah. in order to go to another travel spot, and this mm-hmm. is a mile back there. Right. But that's the better setup in my mind mm-hmm. early season now late season i was able to track some books i think it was 0.61 miles from the early season pictures we got oh, of them. yeah dude i don't know i got lucky it yeah. was 0.61 miles straight shot um <clears throat> they went from feeding in the field to oak knob uh the rut spot if you will you mm-hmm. know what i mean i went there seen some sign i was like okay this is probably where they're going to be at right here toward the end of season and sure enough they was was there – were you telling me there were certain deer that y'all were killed this year? You want to Actually, tell a story of? Well, I owe two uh, – two, I killed two public bucks, the six-point. I found, watched those videos too, by the way. That was good. He found that spot, and uh, I went in there the first time, missed him with the bow, and mm-hmm. then the second time, you know, got him a month and 
were roughly a month later. Right. But that was actually a spot he had found. Mm. And then uh, if I'd have been, on, I had not been in there yet. He was talking about me where on that first video where I missed him at where he was crossing, was yeah. being on that little point. Yeah. But I got in another little point, right? So I'd have been 20 yards, right. chip shots, you know, instead yeah. of 53 hitting a limb yeah. like I did. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, the other buck I killed, uh, he had a spy point that had been there, I don't know how long, a minute. Yeah, yeah. wow. I, I was like, dude, I'll go get that camera. He was like, yeah, I'll drop you a pin. Which was where I missed. Well, I thought it was eight point, but it was actually six point, but I missed him. Last year. Yeah, last year. Yeah. So, <clears throat> funny story, I just go to pull his camera slash burn a hunt that morning, right? But I got in there, I was like, man, this is, you know, looking good. Mm-hmm. When daylight comes, I hear some little bit of walking and some sage, and I get looking, I was like, that's a pretty good-sized body deer. Well, here comes another one, and dude, I had forgot my fluid head on my <laughs> tripod at home, so yeah. I had all my camera stuff except for that. They start sparring, 45 yards. I'm sitting there watching this magical show. Golly. And, dude, I'm like, you know, I'm getting a little shaky. Ain't I, that how it happens, though? Oh, I, mean, you <laughs> I knew it was going to yeah. happen. Yeah. <laughs> he called me after he shot the buck, and I was like, man, it's barely daylight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They come right to me. One pass right by. There's two water holes. One come by. <laughs> I started drinking water. I'm like, if this wind shift, this is over with. And he was the smaller one. And he wasn't a bad deer either. Yeah. But I wanted that big body joker. Mm. I didn't care what was on his head. I just yeah. knew he had a big body. Right. Well, here he comes, 27 yards. I done range, I pre-range everything before I get there, so right. I know, you know. I was like, all right, got him. And uh, I ended up finding him seeing the picture. He was like, dude, that is the same buck I missed <laughs> last year. <laughs> so how funny is That's that? That's insane, man. That But historical areas, you yeah. know. I mean, right. right there is where he pretty much missed him. Man. Right. Had he grown since last year a little bit? No. No? no? Really? He might have actually went downhill a yeah. little bit. Really? I think he was just one of them deer that wasn't meant to be something, you know. Yeah, right. So yeah. that, that kind of makes me want to ask this. Um, with those deer, are you able to form history with deer on public land? Oh, yeah. Because, see, I have it in my mind that it's just wrapped up with people and deer are not going to last out there. That's something, though, like when we scout, you can tell if if it's hunted a pretty good bit, especially if you're walking in the dark. I mean, there's bright eyes everywhere. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, there's a lot of places that you can go that are overlooked that's not that far off the road. You know, people are like, man, everybody's probably hunting it when actually nobody's hunting it. Right. You know, that could hold good bucks it's just boots on the ground you got to put like, the time in to find that spot it. really wasn't that far in there no i mean it was less than half a mile yeah and a good setup <clears> on, <throat> on a 90 perfect fire lane all the way around it yeah i've noticed uh i have gotten to where i now get in there i, I have tried to force myself because a lot of the times we think you know, like y'all said, uh, well, it probably gets hunted a lot or it don't get hunted because it's so close to the road. There's so much traffic here. But a lot of the times you'll find some good books that's hanging out right there in that spot that you never would have thought that a deer would be. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of have gotten to where in the past couple of years I've gotten to where uh, I kind of force myself to go check areas out that's like that just because even though I'm sitting here like probably probably a lot of people do, there's no deer in there, you know, but I force myself to go. And a lot of times I have a lot of luck finding good sign and all and, and seeing deer when I sit in spots like that. Uh, even though there's a lot of traffic going by or, you know, people's looking over it because it don't look like anything's in there. All right. I only have one more question for y'all. And this one might put you on the spot a little bit. Uh, it's supposed to be a fun question. Do you have a random, I'll go with you first, Dustin. Do you have a random, maybe off the wall deer hunting tactic that you have used or heard of other hunters using something random and off the wall. 
Yeah. Uh, and it's actually I'll be about this. <laughs> it's, it's actually on video. Uh, <clears throat> the buck that I shot after I fed that day, and I drove out like I left, and they were out there eating. Mm-hmm. There you go. There's your one right there. I heard that. So make them think you left, but you really did. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe I did better. something similar with a I'm deer. I'm glad that you say that because I thought this guy was crazy as a loon <laughs> when he called me one day and told me a story similar to that. Yeah. I was like, I was thinking, yeah, this guy's a freaking loon. I'll tell you, like, <laughs> my dad, we when we would still hunt over here uh, down the road back when we was younger, he would drop me off and leave, and I'd tell him what all I would see. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, a young and you didn't know, you just thought you was hunting the best spot ever, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what it was. Yeah. He would hear us drive in. I'd get dropped off, he'd roll out, you know, mm-hmm. and I'd be seeing deer left and right. Yeah. Now, I have yeah. heard a lot of hunters, um, they'll drive their ATV or they'll drive their truck in, they'll pour the food out, and then they'll drive their stuff back out, you know, drive their vehicle back out for good reason because they can hear that and they get used to that truck coming in and that truck leaving. When that truck leaves, about an hour later, you get pictures in front of your camera of deer coming out eating your corn. Yes, sir. Uh, so Sounds that's familiar. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Hey. I had a spot this year too. I could shake the corn, mm-hmm. and about 30, 45 minutes later, does would be out there eating. Yeah. Mm. That's not. That's, All right. That's domestic. We get, I, <laughs> we get too deep off into baiting deer. I'll give you a funny domestic one. I had them trained up with my lawnmower. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I, the back of my field, I would drive it back there, dump corn. Yeah. And I'd go back home. They would come out. Well, I told Emily one day, I was like, watch this. Yeah. So I'd drive back here, dump the corn, and come home, park it. We look out the back door. Here they come out. Just used to hearing it running, you know? That's yeah. Funny. Yeah. What about you, Noah? So on a He's a been over pondering on this. He <laughs> yeah, really I, I, mean, I, I knew what I was going to say as soon as you said it. <laughs> but uh, on a certain public land here close to the house, you know, I started hunting it. First time I hunted it was two years ago. And it, it didn't really have a whole lot of traffic. And there's not a whole lot of gun days, you know. But mm-hmm. first gun days, you know, I kind of, I saw the same trucks kind of parked at the same spot. And I just, you know, idea in my head, I'm going to slip around to the bottom and the back. And, you know, because they come in, like, right at daylight. And I get in an hour, hour and a half before daylight, and I'm just sitting there waiting. Well, when they come in to hunt, they're pushing a lot of deer to me. Mm-hmm. You know, so I really, you know, they're going to be hunting food plots, and I'd be far enough away, you know, I'm not, they're not going to shoot me or nothing. But I, I saw a lot of bucks, you know, get pushed to me, just people coming in late. Yeah. Just just hunting going, the pressure, going, using yeah, the pressure really. to your advantage. <clears throat> That's good. Yep. That's good. The reason I asked that is I was talking to a guy uh, a couple of weeks before deer season came out. But in conversation, talking with this guy, he was telling me about when he was younger and when he was hunting a lot, this old-timer uh, had a trick where he would take a stick and put toilet paper on it so that the white was just, you know, uh, whipping in the wind, I guess, mm-hmm. and he would do it. I had it in my mind like an open field, like a food plot or something. And he said that deer would come to the edge of the food plot to check that out. And, I mean, he said rarely did he kill a big bug doing it. But it was just something that brought deer to them or to him so that he could get a shot at it. I thought that was really interesting. I guess just just to check that out, I mean, like curious. Curious. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But anyway, we need to have an old-timer on. Maybe I shouldn't say old-timer. I don't know, but... Dustin's here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) Uh, 
Well, it, would, it would be cool to hear stuff like that. Some, yeah. some off the wall. There was another one that I heard where uh, this old guy told this other person um, to put his hunting clothes in the feed sacks. Mm. <laughs> it works. <laughs> you, do you, you, you do, do that? that? <laughs> so, funny, funny story real quick. I, uh, I bought this. I dove off in the ozone stuff, you yeah. know, in the off season. And I was like, man. You know, it's very, it's very really convincing, you know, that this is the way to go. Well, I started using this bag, and I just got busted like crazy. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't hunt anywhere. I wasn't seeing any deer. Mm-hmm. At the end of the season, I told Dustin, I said, you know, I've been pouring rice bran out. I'm just going to put my clothes in a rice bran bag. <laughs> and there was deer coming all around. They never smelled me. Really? I so mean, it works. Yes. Yeah, I used it after he told me. Absolutely. I'm fixing a... I we're, guess we're burying start. my stuff in my. <laughs> I put my back. I put everything in rice bran bags. I mean, they'd just be lined out in my in the room. Yeah, to get that peanut butter scent. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> there you go. I'm glad baiting's legal now. We're Would just going to start storing our clothes in barrels of it. No, sir. <laughs> Let me see your license. You pull corn out and it just falls out your pocket. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> no, but I do have one question, and uh, I. I we talked about this just, and I want y'all's, I guess, you know, point of view on this, but uh, we kind of, I guess you can say, we don't not like the rut. I do like the rut, but at the same time, we get more pictures and have better luck, luck it seems like, in the early season. Um, and we've come to the conclusion I guess me and him talking, and we spoke on the phone the other night just about this situation. I think it was the few last days of, of season this past year or this past season. And, uh, you know, in the south, it's so thick <clears throat> in the woods down here. If you're not within like an 80 to a 90, maybe a 100-yard range where you can see through the hardwoods, especially if you're bow hunting uh, or rifle hunting, but if you're bow hunting and, and you're in that thick area like you were talking about earlier, which is usually the best to find a mature buck, if that deer is not chasing a doe somewhere around in, in that radius that you can see, you're pretty much out of the game. And where we come from is, you know, you watch these guys out west, and they have a rut. And when we say a rut, they have a real rut where they're the bucks are chasing does, and I'm talking about they are, you know, chasing does. Um, and they can see them because they can see two to 300 yards through the hardwoods. So even if they're not killing nothing that day, they're still seeing 20 to 30 bucks, and I mean 20 to 30 deer that day and four or five mature bucks running them does through the hardwoods. Down here, if you, if you, you know, if you got a deer that's running a doe just per se, uh, if they're not in that little 80-yard radius or 100-yard radius that you can see, you're just pretty much out of the game. What do y'all think about that? I don't, you know, I want y'all's POV on that. You want to go first you want me to I mean, the rut, it's, you just you don't ever know. I mean, mm-hmm. when the buck starts showing up in weird places, I mean, you can't really predict where they're going to chase a doe to. So right. All bets are off. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like you you put yourself in the best position hoping you're really hunting does during the rut, you mm-hmm. know, hoping a buck is locked down right. within that doe group vicinity. So, right. I mean, you know where the does are at, so I feel like you can – you can kind of put yourself in the best position, if that makes sense. But, right. you, I mean, you're really just getting lucky. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, my point of view is uh, I don't like the rut trying to kill a deer, but I like what the rut brings with it on the scrapes. Right. 
Um, early season, I'd rather kill a deer early season all day, every day. Yeah. But when the, the scrapes start happening, that's I do like seeing that activity. Oh, and yeah. I will be yeah. in that area. Uh, I've not seen but one buck actually get chased chase a doe by a scrape area mm-hmm. but if you find the right scrape it's like they're centralized right there right waiting on that magical doe to come through you know that's right and <clears throat> and i told taylor you know i've only seen in south alabama i've only seen the rut i guess you could say like the guys out west see it you know a true rut where a deer is running a doe hard and i mean running her um i've only seen that we had a lease up in uh north of of uh, Highland Home, uh, and it was all clear cut at the time. Uh, we had that lease for about six years, I think. So we watched the pines grow, and as the pines, when it you know when it was just clear cut, nothing out there, um, up to where they were about waist high. You know, you could see deer running across there. Well, what I, my favorite thing to do was in the rut, get about twenty five foot up a pine tree on the edge of one of them on a hillside where I could see across there and. That's when I, those six years, I really experienced the rut. And when I say the rut, the rut. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I saw deer chasing. At one time, we saw four rack bucks, shooter bucks. I would say they were probably four to 500 yards off. You could see them, but we could see, you know, movement going up a hill on that other side over there. And uh, there was one doe, and there was four studs behind that doe. And every one of them was running about 10 yards apart from each other, running that one doe. Uh, but down here, you know, and, and if you're not on a clear cut or a big field where you can see for forever, uh, unless, you know, you're just right there in their wheelhouse, yeah. it's hard to see that when you're bow hunting. Or matter of fact, I hadn't seen it since while, while bow hunting in hardwoods. I'll see them nudging from time to time and come down a trail and I'll shoot one. I think two of the three I killed last year were in the rut, um, but none of them were chasing. Uh they were probably cruising, but they wasn't chasing, you know. Uh, so I think it's extremely hard down here in the south where we're at because our woods are so thick and you can't see out there at two, 300 yards through the hardwoods like a lot of guys can out west or up north, uh, which kind of – I don't despise the rut. I don't hate the rut or nothing, but <clears throat> I'm like you. I like to watch what the what, what the rut brings, but uh, it's, it's hard on me. <laughs> See, I felt Taylor, like I felt like I was in know, the minority when I brought this up right. to you. Um, it's I hard told to him, pattern I, said, I don't, I don't, I don't like the rut, and I was almost yeah. scared to say it because <laughs> yeah. I thought everybody loved it, and it's what everybody looks forward to. I would but, rather tag yeah. out before December. Yes, yeah. right. Yes, right. And uh, yeah, especially if you have a certain deer in mind that you're hoping to get. Oh yeah, I yeah. Mean, it kind of ruins it. Uh, yeah. Which, to my point, Houdini. Talon's deer we got him on October uh we got him in October before season come in we got pictures of him uh we knew he was a shooter buck we was fixing to go after him matter of fact he's the first one we were after that uh this past year or this past season and uh October we got three or four pictures of him at 12 o'clock in the middle of the day uh walking through and then we didn't get a single picture of him until January 1st or 2nd and Talon killed him on January 17th or January 18th something like Mm -hmm. that uh, but we didn't get a single picture of him all year long um, until rut come in. So when the rut came in, in that aspect, it kind of helped us a little bit. But he wasn't chasing when he shot him or nothing like that. But uh, <clears throat> now Kicker, uh, the one I killed, uh, I killed him early season. And I pretty much 
was able to – I knew he was in there. He was predictable. Yeah, he was predictable. Uh, so it made it easy on me, and uh, and we thought that Houdini was going to be the same way, uh, but it didn't happen. It didn't happen like that. But my thing is when early season – I like to pattern the deer. I've got a shooter buck. I know he's in the area somewhere, but when rut comes out, I mean, comes in, it's almost like I have no idea where he's at. A lot of the times, matter of fact, my deer just disappear. I think the rut, it's just, <laughs> this is just my take on it. Mm-hmm. I think it's getting to the point now these does are so spread out, you know, they can kind of just, you know, get them as they come in. You right. know, there's not really much challenge for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're still seeing bucks chasing right now, and it just gets later. I yeah. Mean, yeah. If they took the whole month of December out and pushed it to March, I mean, I'd be I'd be fine with that, really. But right. I, I just don't think there's as much <clears throat> challenge to get those like maybe it used to be. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Right. But, yeah. You know, we got so many does down here, and it's so thick in our woods. Uh, I don't think the deer have to travel very far to get a hot doe or no. – you know, and especially if they know if they're in that area with them and they're in their home range and their court area or whatever, uh, I don't – like I said, I, I think Talon, matter of fact, uh, he, he counted 17 deer, uh, all does, in one of our power lines, what we call the power line. He saw 17 deer and they were all does, and this was about January 15th when you would think that the the rut well he had a spike and a six point come out they didn't pay a bit of attention to the does they went they walked right by them and they were still together um so i mean but what i what i started thinking is if there's 17 does there uh and then in our top field we got pictures of like six does in that same afternoon uh if there's 17 does out there in the wide open there ain't no telling how many's in the woods yeah and if they don't have to travel if a deer i'm i'm a stickler for if a mature buck Dang it, uh, Homer. <laughs> if a mature buck <clears throat> don't have to come out in the open, he's not going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if he don't have to chase them does out there in the open, he's going to chase them down there where you're not. Yeah. Um, so. And from a, a land manager type standpoint, back when I was younger and I had that 1,000 acres, uh, mm-hmm. I had it for, for 10 years. And like I said, I strategically managed, except for the last two years, I got tired of yeah. cleaning deer. Mm. Like I, just, I didn't have anywhere to put them, dude. Like I was yeah. shooting ten to eighteen does a year, you know. Right. And I was just tired of cleaning them and giving them people, blah blah blah. Mm. Them last two years when I quit doing that, I went from having an average of fifteen shooter bucks, just way below five. I can't remember the exact number, but it was just yeah. you couldn't get you couldn't find them again, you know. Right. Yep. But if I had been shooting all them does all that time, then bucks would have been moving a whole lot more, you know. Right. Yep. Absolutely. We've got to kill some this next season i think we're gonna have a heyday when the next bow season comes in we're fixing to start killing a lot of does i hadn't killed a doe i killed my first doe this year with my rifle um for my uncle wanted some meat so i killed him a doe i don't think i've killed a doe in four years oh man <laughs> Missing it's, out. All, it's yeah. all been bucks but <laughs> we like to eat <laughs> yeah uh and i, I Luckily, I've been able to kill a buck every year, so I've been able to fill the freezer a little bit. But I just feel like I either I don't want to fool with them or don't want to, you know, yeah. deal with them or take them to the the processor or whatever. So I just hold out for a buck. But uh, this next year, we've got to we may have a day a doe day where we have I mean, I'll help you. a bunch of people come out and just shoot the dog <laughs> crap out of them. I don't want to scare you, but I'd kill ten. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I feel the same way. That's what my dad said, too. He's like, y'all got to kill some deer. When you're counting 20-something deer in a, in a 
power line or a food plot or yeah. a field or anything, you've got way too many does. That'd free up a lot of food exactly. for your bucks. Yes, yes. I mean, you can't even pour uh, you can't pour corn out there in the next day. Uh, matter of fact, we talked about this at one time, um, which in my opinion was kind of crazy. I shouldn't have done it, but you may not too. But uh, <laughs> we put more feed out trying to get them to – they just sat there, just brought more deer. Either they just stayed out there longer to eat the rest of it. You know, we couldn't keep it out for less, more than two days. I mean, it'd be yeah. over with. It's gone, you know, so, um, which gets expensive. Like you said, we were eating crackers yeah. and bologna, you know, <laughs> trying to <laughs> save up to feed the deer. But And uh, speaking of, you know, them eating and, and taking away from the bucks, that's two to 3,000 pounds per deer a year. Really? Yeah. So imagine all that freed up for you bucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And which, not to mention what you said earlier, uh, the bucks actually have to get out and uh, move move around to find the does yeah. instead of just hanging out in their spot and finding them when they come by. You yeah. know? Uh, so we got to do something about that. So uh, you're telling me that you had a that you put together a little scrape study, yeah. um, and you got some charts there. You want to expand on that and tell us about it? Yeah. So the the scrape uh, was active a total of 57 days, and this uh, it was activated December 14th. Now, what I did was compare buck movement, doe movement, daylight, night, because I was curious to exactly what was going to happen. And this is based off just this year, but if I had everything from last year, I guarantee you it would be the same thing. We shared cameras, so he knows, obviously, he can vouch for this. But what's interesting to me is the bucks visited 43 times in daylight and 15 times at night out of the total 57 days. Now, the way this sets up, there's a swamp that runs. You got pines behind you, thick bed uh, bedding area, and this is a maybe four foot elevation spot in a holly tree. And to me, it's like a thermal scent type blanket in there. Mm-hmm. And this one little elevation spot is where they know they need to be at to ca- capture all the scent that's just blanketed <clears> in <throat> this area. You know, and me and him was pretty tall. Like I was saying, if uh, we were any taller, you wouldn't be able to walk through there. Yeah. Now, if you hunt it, you you only getting maybe a 20, 22 yard shot. Yeah. On a trail, and that's it. Uh, you're gonna see a lot of deer, but you got to be in the right spot if you're gonna kill the deer mm-hmm. or or shoulder shoot one and never find it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's gonna be the buck daylight movement again. Forty three daylight movement times at that scrape. Fifteen at night, and the does interestingly enough was also twenty two daylight visits with nine nighttime visits. And I want uh, to put this out there that this is not the scrape getting hit every time. Mm-hmm. This is bypassing at least being in that area. So the important factor to me is, and what I seen last year that uh, kind of wanted me promoted me to do this this year, is, yeah, I'm, I've got this scrape right here. I'm going to be 40 yards right here. And I seen this buck we called Wolverine twice last year. Not not coming to that. That's his scrape. He owns this area. Mm. Matter of fact, I think he had 12 visits uh, from the time it was activated, which he activated it up until the end of the season. But I seen him twice about 65 yards from there. So the important factor is, is once you find that big scrape, don't hunt where you got that 20-yard shot right there. You want to be able to see it, mm-hmm. but just try to picture that, that deer travel route that quarter that they're going to take. So this scrape is uh, set up on what I call a, a T-trail. And if you find a trail, just say it's running north and south, well, to me, that's you got a 50-50 shot right there, right? Well, if you find another trail coming from east or west, teeing off into that, 
uh, then you just upped you, your chances another third right there. Right. So I try to be in that vicinity, and it can screw you. Uh, I shouldn't say screw. It can mess you up <laughs> if you if you don't set up off the tee. You don't want to be right where the trails meet at. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Be off the trails 30, 40 yards or whatever the shot allows mm-hmm. in order to shoot that intersection. That's something to keep in mind also. Gotcha. Yeah, so <clears throat> you pretty much, yeah, I, I get you upping your odds by hunting that tee because you're pretty much hunting two trails or two travel corridors uh, that's intersecting, so that's pretty good. The amount of daylight activity that you had there, though, um, there's a lot of people that don't have that kind of daylight activity on their corn piles no. that they would love to have that. I, so my, my cameras were getting full toward the end of season, mm-hmm. and what I wanted to do was compare the uh, buck activity to the feeders, boss buck feeders, not, not spin feeders, mm-hmm. to just this scrape activity. But what I can tell you is this outweighs that mm-hmm. by a bunch. Really? Yes. That's I end up uh, deleting the the tacticam, so I had some more room on there, you know, because right. my memory got full. But outweighed it tenfold. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> we uh, I, I think I'm guilty a lot, and I guess I don't want to speak for you, but me and you both are guilty of uh, <clears throat> having a lot of confidence in a bait pile. Yeah. Uh, or a food plot, or you know, it's easy to get lazy and rely on it. That's yeah. right. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a fair weather kind of kind of mindset. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, I guess that brings a lot of confidence by having food out there or something for the deer to come to. Uh, but I did uh, I did have a lot of scrapes that I did not hunt this past year. One because I didn't have a stand put up, but uh, I got my saddle ready and everything for next year. Um, but I think next year I'm going to try, even even though we have bait out or whatever we may have, instead of hitting them uh, as much as I did, uh, getting around them scrapes and finding the trails and, and stuff like that and getting on them. Because I do think that your mature buck is going to be killed off that food plot more times than, than not, you know, yeah, or, or off that bait pile more times than not. Mm-hmm. And out of curiosity, this is a question for both of y'all, and then I want, I want us to answer this as well. Average, how many uh, bucks do you see a season, just average? Uh, <laughs> this past year is the exception. I think we saw a buck about every time we went, but not mature bucks. Are you saying mature bucks? Yeah, or are you yeah. let's say mature uh, bucks. This year, two. Two is all I saw all year. I'm thinking. I know where you're going with this. It's nowhere near what Jargo was telling us. I don't know. Probably, probably ten. Ten mature bucks? Not mature bucks. Did you say mature bucks? Yeah, yeah. We went with oh, mature sorry. bucks. I was about to say what happened. <laughs> yeah. I would say two. Yeah. All right. Well, ten. <laughs> you're like what? I was about to say that's the first I've heard of this. Oh, uh, uh, well, well. Let me rewind real quick before he, we answer this. Uh, now, what's important to note about this too? is historical data like we talked about earlier. Yeah. Mm. Now, some of these are two-year-old bucks that's come this scrape. Yeah. But I've got bucks that have been there both years in a row. Mm-hmm. So just because that's a four-point or six-point, you got to be in the long game. Yeah. I know that he's going to be back here and this is his area. Yeah. So definitely keep that in mind because right. I've proved it time and time again mm-hmm. with just cameras. I mean, obviously, these mm-hmm. things are a great tool to use and mm-hmm. utilize. So it's definitely helped out a whole lot. On on uh what was it three years ago? How many bucks do you say mature bucks? 
20 to 30. Good night. Yes, sir. <laughs> really? Yeah. And really more of them were on public. Yeah. Yeah. Just by wow. re- reading the sign and yeah. hunting hunting like you know how to hunt. Yeah. And that was by December, if I ain't mistaken. Yeah. Blew yeah, my mind. We, we started hunting the club around January. Yeah. Which I seen, we seen a lot in January, too. I think all the ones we had on camera you know, ended up passing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh Passed a good eight, which we never seen again. Yeah. <laughs> he was a three-year-old. I passed him up for like 20 yards. Really? Golly, then, uh, that is crazy. That's insane. The last day of season when I saw a big one, I hunted all day and passed. He was at least five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he was all broke up, you know, passed him about 25 yards. Yeah. Man, I thought I had a good season to seeing like <laughs> roughly 10 bucks total, you know, yeah. 20 or 30 mature bucks. Golly. Yeah. That's that's well. Hey, if you need a hunting buddy, <laughs> <laughs> which then yeah, I we got y'all here tonight. <laughs> this is why. No, I'm just playing. which that that was a fun year because I didn't put out any cameras that year. No, except yeah. for at the lease, I was just you know I started finding sign on public on a and I pretty much hunted that one WMA, but started finding sign and then it started you know being the same kind of places you know i just literally hunted the same kind of places all over it and i'd see three or four bucks every time i went right um <clears throat> it, it's funny you say that my dad i do hunt some sign I, I don't want don't get me wrong i don't always hunt a food plot or a a food source but um my dad is is more like that kind of hunting uh and he does like uh he does like the the cameras for research purposes and yeah. just watching to see what you got on your property. But uh, that joker acts like he don't even have a camera out there. I mean, he don't hunt no camera. He don't hunt that. He don't. He he goes out, and does his own thing. He hunts sign, and that's what he hunts. And and I've always I was like, man, you got a a dang rabbit foot in your pocket <laughs> because you always come out and you've seen something you passed up or you killed one or something, you know. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's the that's all he focuses on is hunting sign, not food sources, not nothing. Where the deer are is where he goes. And I think that's what y'all are getting into too is the public land is you go in where the deer are at and you're reading the sign and that's where they subside. I mean, that's where that's where they live. Yeah. Right. Uh, so you're seeing more mature bucks. Uh, you're not trying to bring them to you. You're going to them, uh, which I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start doing the same thing this next, or I'm going to try to do more of, of that uh, in the coming years. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> So, but to a lot of properties that we get, uh, especially me and Taylor, we, we knock on doors a lot. (laughs) Um, but sometimes you don't have that opportunity, uh, to, to get out and scout sign. You just have to do the best you can with what you got, which would be, you know, maybe 10 to 15 acres of property that butts up to another 200 or 300 that the farmer beside you, he owns that, but won't let you hunt it. Um, so then at that point in time, you do have to bring them to you or find that little crumb that you've got to hunt to, to kill that, that deer. Um, and in that situation, I do like to grind it out until I finally kill him. But that's a lot of time wasted too. When you got a big piece of property that you ain't got pictures of, if you just read the sign, they're probably there. You just ain't got pictures of them. I would take the, the right 15 to 30 acres Mm. in the right spot over 500 bad acres. Right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Every time. Yep. Yep. Well, I, th- I think we're at a good stopping point, mm-hmm. and uh, I want to be able to record a- another podcast with you 
later on. I saw your wife calling you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Surprise mine ain't hit me up yet. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's go ahead and end it here. Um, so people can find you on Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube. Y'all have a hard-earned page, right? Yeah, Dustin King 7 on uh, Instagram and uh, hard-earned on YouTube. And Noah underscore stud still on Instagram. Gotcha. All right. Well, yeah. y'all be sure to check out their YouTube page and watch some of their videos. Like, they got subscribe. a lot of stuff to, to binge on. Yeah. Uh, and make sure you like and subscribe to this podcast as well. Yeah. And main thing, share it with a buddy. <clears throat> yep. All right. Appreciate y'all. Enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank y'all.